Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. Everyone, and that beautiful music welcomes you to the Fansplainers. My name is David Dedrick, and I'm Ian Boothby. And are, uh, where are we? What are we? What are we in we're, a sewer? So, What's with all this echo? We are in a deep cavern today. Oh, someone adjust your uh, we, adjust your audio, uh, podcast listeners. Something's gone terribly yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's strange. Well, this is what happened. Ian fell into a well. And while I was trying to pull them out, I also fell in. So we just had someone throw their audio equipment down to us. Yeah, here we're just we're here with this show. little girl, and she's got very wet hair. <laughs> and uh, we'll see how this goes. Could be worse. Could be worse. I wonder what happened if she met the It Clown. I wonder if they'd get along, those two. Well, isn't there that one where they're like, she meets the Grudge Girl, and they have a... Yeah, they fight. <laughs> they're kids they, they like have a cage fight. match yeah, they have a they're little cage match a, cage a grudge match. match i suppose yeah that does all make sense i mean yeah you're going up against someone called the grudge yeah you think they're gonna like let things slide yeah i don't no, know it's in their name i didn't know the grudge was a thing i just thought it was like an, an emotion that was creating problems hmm. but apparently I, I was wrong okay i should look back and see if we've talked about those movies the, probably probably we haven't what are we what trademark. are we talking about today though everyone you Probably heard the little snippet from the trailer at the beginning of this episode. We are going to talk about Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. Okay. Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie. Now, is it named after, like, Once Upon a Time in America, Once Upon mm-hmm. a Time? Like, how many Once Upon a Time movies have there been? Two. Okay. So there's Once Upon a Time in America and Once Upon a Time in... In the West. In the West. Was, was there not one. a Once Upon a Time in China? Wasn't there... A... Oh, there might have been... Oh, I think you're right. I think they did do one. That's, that's correct. Yeah. I was thinking of Sergio Leone... Doing two, the two films, okay. but yeah, someone someone took that title and ran with it. Sure, and again, all the way to China. The Brothers Grimm didn't uh, didn't put a copyright on it, so what are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. Anyone can do uh, anyone can do anything uh, yeah. with it. Yeah, and it's been a it's been a big deal because uh, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Every time one of those comes out, people are ooh and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't think he I don't think he sits rests on his laurels. I do think that you get. There is something to be excited about when a Quentin Tarantino movie comes out. It's not, it doesn't feel like he's treading water or just giving you the same old, same old. He seems to come, always seems to have something different to do. Yeah, there's always sameness, but there always is something different mm-hmm. as well. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. You know at some point a lady's going to put her feet up and she's not going to be wearing shoes. I'm fine with that. Yeah, multiple times. I like this one. You know, that's fine. It mm-hmm. could be worse. It could be boobs. Then people would really be upset. Just feet. What the heck? <laughs> right? Fair. Well, it's well, okay, fine. <laughs> whatever the fetish is, is whatever the fetish is. It's fine. So, um, unlike uh, if you were listening to Sneaky Dragon, which is our other podcast, mm-hmm. where we don't want to spoil movies, here we are going to spoil uh, the film. We're going to get into there, and there are twists and turns in this one, and there's definitely you know spoilers. So, uh, yes. if you haven't seen the movie already, uh, I would advise you see it, unless yes. you like to be spoiled first, in which case fine that's fine i guess it's fine but i would recommend seeing this movie first i think i think the end i think the payoff is well worth the 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 wait right okay so let's get into a just a general thing first as we usually do and then we'll get into specifics okay uh did you enjoy this film oh i loved it okay and i wasn't expecting to i don't know if you remember me talking about it 
a week ago or so, and I was sort of groaning about the idea of going to see this movie, although I, I felt compelled to because it's a Quentin Tarantino film, but I was like, ugh, another, you know, rewrite of history. And you know, How did you know it was a rewrite of history? Uh, well, I didn't know that, but I, I felt that's where, where he was going to go because it was introducing the Manson murders mm-hmm. in the trailer, and I just thought he's going to do a twist on it. And I wasn't sure what the twist was going to be. Okay. But I have to say that... Spoilers, everyone. Spoilers from now on. What the twist was was very ple- pleasing to me. Yeah, I'm down. With, I'm down with the twist. My, I didn't. I, I thought it was very competently made. I thought the acting, especially Brad Pitt, was was mm-hmm. very very good. Yeah. Um, it was you know it was it was very clever. Um, These are all good things. Maybe sometimes clever. <laughs> cle- sometimes clever is good. Yeah. But sometimes uh, clever comes at the expense of you know, uh, heart sometimes, okay. you know, and you go like it, it's sometimes clever can take you out of a movie where you're going, Oh, that mm. was, neat. huh? See how he inserted him in that. You know what movie that was? Oh, and you know what street that is? That's because yeah. of this. Yeah. And Oh, here's the reason for that. Mm-hmm. And then the mean, and then you're like, do I care about the character? Mm, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't think there was ever a point where I really cared about Rick Dalton and oh, really? what, what he was, what he was That's going funny. through. I really liked that character and I really liked him. And uh, Brad Pitt, again, we'll get into it, but yeah. Brad Pitt had, you know, uh, something mentioned about him off the top, which was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that he killed his wife, but we never know if he killed his wife. Yeah. Now, if you don't have that, he's a perfect character mm-hmm. through the whole thing. Like, it seems like he's a Cato Kalin. He's just like a hangabout around the rich guy. Yeah. But he's great at everything. At every, any point that he has the option to do the wrong thing, he does the right thing. Mm-hmm. Consist- Sometimes. No, consistently. I would say his, his fight with Bruce Lee wasn't the right thing to do. Why was that? I just think he was, you know, letting his ego get in the way of his uh, good sense. Because he knows that he's on, he's on thin ice there. You know, he's, his, Rick has put himself out. Okay, let's, get it, let's go specifically into that sure. scene and then we'll go. All right. So that scene is, it's the set of the Green Hornet. Yes. Uh, uh, Bruce Lee is playing Cato. Yes. And Bruce Lee is not Cato Kalin. No, speaking of, oh, there's a lot of, <laughs> really the only two, two Catos there could be, I suppose. Um, again, I think with, with Green Hornet, it is always like, he's got a sidekick named Cato. So does the Green Hornet. So does the secret NA. Uh, why does anyone know it's Cato? It's a different Cato. <laughs> the mask isn't going to help. Um, so he's bragging. And, and you've got, and here's where I don't think he was in the wrong. Yeah. Because Bruce Lee was going, I would beat up Cassius Clay. Yeah. I would do that. Now, Cassius Clay is in there to defend himself. Cassius yeah. Clay is okay, that's greatest, a good point. one yeah. of the greatest fighters in the world. Mm-hmm. And this upstart is saying, <laughs> I would, I would kick his sure, ass. Sure. So he's gonna go, he's showing, no. Yeah. No, look. Uh, I, I'll fight you yeah. because Cassius Clay can't. So yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a nobility there. Sure, okay. There's nothing okay. he would like, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't think of it like that, but that's true. Okay. I was thinking more like, you know, because Rick Dalton, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, is the one who convinces the stunt coordinator to bring his stunt double into the show mm-hmm. um, when he, the guy doesn't want to. He doesn't want to because there's a rumor that's that right. he killed his wife. That's right. And his wife is... Not into the idea of... Right, because he thinks that this guy killed his mm-hmm, wife, mm-hmm. but we never know if he did it or no, that's not. that's right. We, we, have a, we have a flashback that never kind of pays it's, off, and yeah. you don't know whose perspective it's really from. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Yeah, if that's he, a question. If he, yeah, if he did, he's a horrible person, he's a villain, and everything that he does is tainted. If he didn't, mm-hmm. he is the greatest person of all time, <laughs> because 
you know, he's he's tempted uh, by uh, you know uh, a woman and and will not do anything with her because mm-hmm. she's underage. Yeah. Which you know certain Polanskis could learn from. That's great. <laughs> you, re- you listen if you're going to put Polanski in your movie, you got to do a scene like that. I guess you, so. you've got to. Yeah. You've got to to go like this is how you handle it. So sure. someone goes, come on, what well, you wouldn't? Yeah. No. And here's how you would do it. So you wouldn't. You just do like this mm-hmm. there. Um, and also. When he's on the ranch, and you know uh, the person he knows is there, and they're saying yeah. that he's in the ca- he's uh, you know in in the in the cabin, and, uh, and and he's in danger there. That's the the it gets very very tense, but he still does the right thing, mm-hmm. even when the guy's rejecting him. He's still trying to do the right thing yeah. consistently, yeah. even when Rick Dalton is clearly. You know, his career is dead and he should just move on from, from hanging around Rick Dalton. Yeah. He's still around Rick Dalton and helps Rick Dalton out. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the movie, he's the hero that saves everybody. Yeah. He's the greatest guy sure. of all time unless well, he killed his wife. And we never know uh, whether yeah. he killed his wife or but that not. That also, the end of the movie could also be his redemption for, for that act as well. Mm. It could explain, I mean, whatever happened, even if it was an accidental thing that happened, if... Because in the scene, to make it clear, he is sitting with a with a, a spear gun, gun in his hand, yeah, okay. and in his hand, and it is unfortunately pointing towards his wife, who stood up to confront him. Now, anything can happen in that situation. You could lose your temper, and, a wave could hit, or a wave could hit the boat. Whatever, it could be accidental. It could She's be also drunk. She could just fall off the boat. That's right. Yeah, it could be a bit of a reference to Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner. It, you, know, you don't know. Yeah, you're kind of going through your head of like who's <laughs> been in this scenario yeah, before. Yeah. And, but whatever happened, there is some guilt there, you know, whether he really did it or whether it was an accident, he's still going to feel some responsibility for what happened to his wife. And I think it does explain the life he lives, the kind of chaotic life that he lives. There's a certain element of, he's a stuntman, so there's a certain element of this devil may care Mm -hmm. recklessness. Like when he's driving, he drives like a maniac. Right. It doesn't matter that he's not going anywhere. He just drives like a maniac. Do you feel he has a death wish of some sort? I don't think he has a death wish. I think he just has that stuntman's fearlessness, you know, that kind of thrill that you get from risk that is kind of a, a, something that makes you feel alive, you know, mm-hmm. that I get from sitting in a chair reading a book. He gets from driving recklessly down the road. And, but, you know, he lives in this kind of broke, broken down Airstream trailer behind a, a drive-in theater, drive-in movie theater. Set of weights basically camping yeah he's basically all the stuff's outside and in the in the elements which is i guess okay in california in LA, yeah you're fine yeah because apparently they can have their lockers outside the school there which and what is, is someone always... gonna do grab the weights and run off with them it's not <laughs> something people will steal yeah and yeah it's just... and if they can mm-hmm. and you can't catch them sure you don't want to fight them because yeah. they can run off with your weights so yeah let let them run that's fine i mean he yeah he leaves rick's pretty nice pad he's living in a pretty nice area of of Hollywood, and he makes that clear in one scene where he says, "You know, I bought and didn't rent because that's one thing someone told me." Is Rick Dalton says this? Rick, Rick Dalton says that is buy and then you live here. You live in Hollywood. If you just rent, then anytime you can, you can, you can be okay. Well, there's an along. example of something where you got Rick Dalton who, through the whole thing, has imposter syndrome. He's never confident in what he is mm-hmm. or where where he is at any point. Yeah, and so someone someone told him. Here's how you do it. You've yeah. got to if you don't uh, if you don't buy, yeah. then you're not a real Hollywood person. Oh, and so this person who's got no sense of self yeah. goes, oh, then I've got to do that. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing I've got to do, and it shows. It shows a weak. It seems like he's showing it like it's a strength, mm-hmm. but it's clearly showing him as a weakness. It's a it is a smart play though. 
That's not why he's doing it. He's I know. Not I'm doing, just saying he's not a good money man. In, in, no, he's not. Whether it's by accident or intentionally, it is. It is. A, he is right to do that. But yes, it is. Um, whereas, conversely, Brad Pitt lives in this broken down trailer with his enormous but very pleasant dog. Uh, but you know, his dog eats like, like a king. He has two full cans of dog food. I was thinking, how much does he pay to feed his dog every day? That's... He must exercise the dog a lot, though, because the dog's oh, the not dog's overweight. In, yeah, the dog's in good shape. And plus, there's no pictures of his wife. Plus any amount of kibble. Yeah, there was no pictures of his wife. But then he sits in a chair watching Mannix eating craft dinner from a, from a pot. Right. You know, and just, he's a man of that era. How would he have learned how to eat? I guess that's part cook. of it. Yeah, I guess that's part of it. But it also feels just like this chaos. You know, like you're not, you're just living this sort of messy kind of squalor. And I don't that's know. Where you are. It feels to me like Rick Dalton has it all, but doesn't have himself, mm-hmm. and so he's lost. Yeah. Whereas uh, I don't know what the other character, Cliff, Cliff, yeah, Cliff. Uh, Stone, something Cliff like that. Jo- yeah, Cliff. Yeah, I can't remember. No, I don't think it's Cliff Stone. That Cliff be Hard Muscle, whatever his Cliff name Stone. is. Cliff uh, Stone. He knows himself. He's aware of himself, and so he's fine. And he's just eating the simplest food, and he's got the love of his dog, and the dog yeah, gets yeah. him, and he's fine, and yeah. We're all, uh, we're all right. They, they couldn't be more opposite, which is why I think they kind of complete each other mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. But where, whereas Rick Dalton, yeah, I think you're right. I think he does suffer from a feeling. I mean, obviously, he is he's self-aware enough to know his situation. You know, he's self-aware enough to know. He doesn't know what to do about it. Well, what's his situation? That he's on that down slope of his career. That he's is just, he? Yeah. No, I don't think he is. This is the thing. Like, whatever he's, wherever he's at, yeah. he feels that's the wrong place to be. Okay. When you hear how much he's working, mm. he's working a lot. Yeah. He's working consistently. Like, there's no, you know, doing that many TV shows. Yeah. Like, he, he, you know, Land of the Giants and all these others. Yeah. And so, you know, Al Pacino shows up and says, you know, you're playing. But Al Pacino, Al Pacino says, you're playing the heavy, which is how they're trying to write you out of show business. Yeah, yeah. Which may be true, mm-hmm. but also you're working like crazy. Yeah. You just came off a TV series. Yes, you're trying to get into movies. Didn't well, the TV work. series was the 1950s, so this is the late 60s. So it's been almost a decade since the TV show. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's working consistently. Or maybe no. Maybe no. The show ended in like 63, 64. That's that's how it goes. Okay. So he hasn't been working for. Well, no, it's not even hasn't been working. He just hasn't had a steady show. But I think to him, like he is, as you say, is imposter syndrome, like. He he p- thinks of himself in terms of of Steve McQueen because mm-hmm. they both had shows at the same time, mm-hmm. both had the similar show where they both played bounty hunters. Wanted Dead or Alive was the Steve McQueen show, and his show was Bounty Law. One of them gets the Magnificent Seven, and his career takes off, and the other does f- Sixteen Fists or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Some yeah, weird kind of name for this uh, that movie. Yeah, they have a clip of the Great Escape there. Yeah, and him imagining what he would be like in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which is great. Actually, I saw it like two weeks ago for the first time on the big screen. So seeing it again, I was like, "Hey, you know exactly that scene you're talking about." This is oh, you just saw the Great Escape recently? Yeah, okay. It, they okay. re-released it. And, yeah, uh, for, yeah, for a film kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I wonder if they were inspired by the inclusion of this movie to put it out there. Yeah, it'd be good to maybe. But then, but then, yeah. of course, we have one scene with uh, Steve McQueen. Who's the actor who plays him? Uh, Dan. Damien, Damien Lewis, I think Damien Lewis. People have said he looks like him, and by gosh, he does. Like he does a really good job of that. Yeah, scene. like yeah. I would, I would have followed him for a while, and <laughs> except he's got one scene, and in the one scene he's got, he's just a gossipy guy. He's just got the exposition dump of all. Well, of he's all got the exposition <laughs> dump, but what it shows about his character is 
you know, that he's uh, fallen for someone who he can never have. Yeah. And so everybody wants something that they can never have, mm. with the exception of Brad Pitt, mm. who is fine. Se- seemingly happy where he yeah, is. He's yeah, he's happy wherever he is. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's, he's that. So Even know. when, at near, near the end of the film, when, when Rick Dalton, when DiCaprio's character has to basically let him go, because his circumstances have changed so much that he feels like he can't afford to pay it anymore. Mm-hmm. It just seems, still seems fine with it. He's not upset. He doesn't go, no. what? I've been working for you for this long. And blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just like, okay. Yeah, I'm assuming like you never see him have bad habits. Yeah. So he has just come at that point from doing a variety of uh, Italian movies. Yeah. Uh, where he was the stuntman and doing, doing stunts. So unless... He's been spending money like water. Yeah. He lives in this. He, he lives basically rent free. Yeah. yeah. What's the problem? He's sure. fine. Unlike, his biggest money is dog food. Yeah. Unlike uh, Rick Dalton's character, who we are told spent most of his money on his apartment in, in Rome so. because he felt he needed to show yeah. who he was. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's that's his thing. He needs to show who he was and demonstrate who he is. And, mm-hmm. and Brad Pitt doesn't. And yet, I like both. I like both of them a lot. Like when I was watching the film, I. I looked forward to them coming on the screen, not just Brad Pitt's character, but also Rick Dalton. For all his for all his character flaws, I still found him a compelling and interesting person. You know, and I really enjoyed the sequence of him doing the the uh, show Lancer, where he, you know, they make him up differently. They add the the hippie hair and stuff yeah. like that. And at first, he's all kind of what, <laughs> but he really goes with it. And then there's that sequence when he meets the little girl. And he's kind to her. He's not condescending to her. He's he's interested in her, you know. And it's it's a nice sequence where he's mm. trying to, you know. And then he's trying to explain to her this this book that starts to really resonate with him as he's talking. He realizes that he, this is what he how he feels about himself, you right. know. And he starts weeping. <laughs> yeah, and, and I like that she she was a method actor. Yeah, she was in character and all this kind of stuff. Here's, yeah. here's yeah. the thing to me, that wasn't him being nice by any means. Okay, no. Because I don't think I don't think at any point in the movie he ever does anything kind or benevolent or something. His goal is he wants to be respected by actors. And this little kid who's eight yeah. comes up and she's a method actor. Yeah. And she seems to have her shit together. And so he's like, she's got her shit together. I've got to impress her. And so he he wants to impress her. And that's the whole thing. And then finally, he does impress her. And he breaks down crying later because the one person he wanted to impress more than anyone else, yeah. this method actor, who's even an eight-year-old girl, yeah. he's that delicate that he wants that. Yeah. Uh, that is the best thing in the world to him because yeah. he, he cares about what she thinks. But she, he doesn't want to offer her anything or offer her any comfort or give her any advice or help her on her journey. It's all about him. He's got a hole in him that needs to be filled, even if it's uh, to be filled by the admiration of an eight-year-old, which he can't get at first because mm. she's somewhat, uh, you know, because she sees through him yeah. and sees how shallow he is. Uh, but then later on, yeah, she uh, she buys his stuff and then, yeah, he just he just breaks down. It's the happiest moment he's got in the whole movie. <laughs> but also, he calls her Maribel, mm-hmm. which he so he acknowledges her. You know, he just acknowledges her. I don't I can right because that. that's her character. Yeah, yeah. Like, but he's calling her that off 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 screen because she says that's right. I'm Maribel. Right. He respects her as an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. He wants to be keep, an actor. Yeah. He better wants keep on to your mic with her in this room. He feels he feels a fraud. Yeah. So you know, the, when someone tells him this is what actors do, if everyone said all actors wear this hat, he would wear that hat. <laughs> Probably would. If all actors had a British accent, he'd be hello, hello, hello. Yeah. You know, and it's it's showing the kind of shallowness of him that like he needs the 
he needs the respect of an eight-year-old girl. Hmm. Doesn't matter. He's on set. He's he's got a big part in this TV show. Sure. Huge part. He's he's one of the main guys in this in this yeah. episode, but it doesn't matter. He just cares about the respect of another actor. Because he's a fraud, and he th- he thinks he's a fraud. Oh, I don't think he's a fraud. I think he is a good actor. Actually, I think it is a good part. Good, t- like he acts well. He in his feels role. he's a fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I second that he loses one line, yeah, which who cares? Yeah, move on. Just shoot it again. Yeah. You're fine. That's no big deal. He loses it. Yeah, and uh, and then he beats himself up in the trailer yeah. to the point where he's saying, "I'm going to kill myself tonight <laughs> if if I don't get this right." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know. I don't know if that's you're a good actor, you know. That's uh, that, that's that's pretty messed up. Well, I mean, for him, he's in a he feels like he's in a desperate place that he's losing. He's whatever. made a desperate place for himself, yeah, no matter okay. where he's at. Okay, like the way they set him up is he had this hit show, and why, in his opinion, the show went off was he also wanted or he he wanted a film career. Yeah, it wasn't enough to to be the star of a TV show. Yeah. Clearly, it would be for, for Brad Pitt. He's fine with like you know being the stunt guy on this thing. He's happy wherever he is. Yeah. But no, I need to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. You're not a movie star. Well, now I'm a failure. Yeah. But you're working constantly. I'm still a failure. Oh, Al Pacino just showed up. He's offering you these this uh, starring roles in all these movies. I'm still a failure. Yeah. Yeah. In kind of second tier spaghetti westerns, which weren't great movies, but yeah, it's still a, who cares? Still, still a job. But yeah, who cares I'm if just... you're an actor and you're starring in these movies? Yeah. You know, Clint Eastwood, you know. It's a bit of a different situation. How so? Well, because he was starring in films directed by one of the best directors of all time. But did they know that? Like when he started? No, no, he didn't know that. He he lucked into it. I'm just saying. But that's a bit of a different situation. Like where Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes is into the kind of B-movie part of that thing. But he doesn't know that going into it. It's isn't so great either. I think he kind of knows what he's in for because he does say that. He's not so into the idea. But the problem is no matter what he would be offered, unless it was... You know, clearly something that was like the starring role in an American movie. It yeah, was like da 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 da. But even that, yeah. he would, because of his character flaw of thinking that he's a fraud, he would not be happy with it. He mm-hmm. would think there's something wrong. Well, who who left that part? You know, who was who else should have should have got? Oh, I'm the second choice. Like that's that's what he is through the whole thing. He is never satisfied with who he is or where he's at. You know, he's got to he's got to impress other people, and he can never he can never do it. Sounds like you like this movie. This is the thing. It's like it's okay to have like a char- you know, such a flawed character. That's yeah. o- that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's just like but now you've made me like I don't like the guy. Hmm. I'm worried for the guy. I think at some point he's going to kill himself. Um and I like Brad Pitt, but unless he's murdered his wife, so I don't know. And uh, yeah, and and my big problem of course is because you got Sharon Tate in this, I'm waiting for the horrible scene to come up. Yeah. And I know it's Tarantino, so he's going to make a really gory, gruesome scene. Because that's what he's going to do. There's my, no way. My one wish when I was watching the film as we got towards the end of it and things are starting to, to go in that direction, I was like, do it off screen. Do it all off screen, please. Mm-hmm. Do it all off screen. As someone who I, I do not, I guess I do not like those people. And not, not in a way like, not in a way like, um, you know, there's a certain way of looking at people like like the Manson family that sort of demonizes them, but in a kind of idolizing way. 
You know, aren't they terrible? But oh boy, they sort of did some mean, crazy stuff. They were pretty nuts. You know about them. They're famous. Yeah. And isn't that what Hollywood's all about? It's all about fame and notoriety mm-hmm. and like, you know, your name's in the paper. And that's, that's what Rick Dalton wants. Yeah. He wants to be the famous guy. My exposure to the story of the Manson family wasn't through like Helter Skelter and, and those sort of books, which I do feel kind of sensationalized in a way that's unhealthy. I actually read it in a book by this former, well, this guy who was a poet and a musician named Ed Sanders, who in the late 60s was working for the LA Free Press. And this story came over the wire. It was basically the police had rounded up a bunch of hippies out in the desert who were driving around in dune buggies. And he's like, oh man, these pigs rounding up the kids and blah, blah, blah. And he, so he went down, he's going to like expose this story. And, and then as he digs into it, he discovers these gruesome murders and all this stuff around it. And he, so he you know, first he wrote a series of articles for the LA Press, and then he did this book called The Family, which I just happened to find at Value Village when I was younger, and it's an amazing book. But what he does in that book that I think is so different is he doesn't sensationalize them. And the way he belittles them through the whole book, like the Manson family, Charles mm-hmm. Manson, all the people, he constantly puts them down. And as you read the story, he never, you know, he calls them vampires, he calls them, there's all these names that he uses. And in a way, he just takes away any kind of sense of, that people want to give them, you know, like that kind of weird, you know, where people are like, I'm going to buy the, um, I can't remember the guy's name, those, uh, you know, Gacy paintings, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff John like that. Wayne Gacy. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy paintings. And just that kind of weird, almost hero worship of murderers that we have in our culture. And he just takes it away in that book. And so when I was watching this film, I was like, I really hope that we don't sensationalize these people in a, in a, in a way that, that kind of plays into that sort of hero worship of, of right. evil. And that's why I like the ending so much, is that the ending completely does take descents, you know, it does take that away from them. It, yeah. mo- it mocks them. It, you know, it humiliates them. It's this a, it's a terrible, humiliating, m- mocking ending for those characters. Sure. And in the, I, I did, I did like that aspect. Yeah. And in the tone of the story, it's kind of weird because they actually haven't done anything yet. So our reaction to it is the knowledge of what they've done in real life, not what they're doing in the movie. It's okay, though, because here, here's, here's... It here's, is okay, but yeah, but okay. No, here's, here's, what they, here's what they said, like the one guy, and again, I don't know their specific names, and I'll tell you something, I don't want to. Okay. That's, that's a big thing for me. It's like if yeah. there's someone who's a murderer, I'd rather not know their name because I would not, rather not add to the fame. Yeah. I know the one person who left was the person who um, turned evidence on the Manson family and was a big part of bringing the Mansons down. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. Well done on that. That's how you do that. Yeah. Okay. But the, plus she wasn't involved in the murder. She was a lookout. There we go. So you, uh, so, but the guy uh, repeated that like uh, uh, Charlie said uh, to do something witchy. Yeah. Okay. So, and of course that, that is what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, they did some horrible things. I think what they, they wrote pig on the door or something when they, let, think, it was like, I think they did that with the, the La Bianca people. I don't, they might have wrote, or maybe they wrote because I think they wrote piggies because of the, the Beatles song. There was the there was something album. they wrote on the door on the on, on yeah. the way out. And again, so you know, like he's got a plan, mm. and the plan is to do something horrific. So it's not like a uh, they're not coming in and going, okay, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, they got a plan to do something really really bad. Yeah. Even if you don't know what they did, yeah, really really bad. So anything that they that happens to them now is <laughs> you're okay, you're fine. Here, here was my biggest problem with that, though I did appreciate that we didn't see the Sharon Tate. That because again, she was a character who, like, people have been complaining that she doesn't talk very much in the movie. But mm-hmm. the thing about that is, 
when you have a character who doesn't talk, you project yourself into that mm-hmm. character. So yeah. you relate to this character. Sure. And she is enjoying being a Hollywood celebrity the way you think you would. Yeah. If you're in a movie, wouldn't you go watch the movie with people? <laughs> yeah. Aren't you enjoying it? And look around at them and, and yeah. laugh with them. Having a great time. You're, yeah. you're, you're telling people about it. Mm-hmm. You're going to parties. You're dancing. She's loving life. Yeah. She's enjoying things completely. She's very similar to Brad Pitt in that she seems to like who she is and mm-hmm. where she is. So you don't want things to happen to her. So they've set that up, you know, uh, they've set that up quite nicely. But the problem is his last movie, not last movie, because it would have been, last movie was, uh, Hateful, Hateful Eight. Eight. Yeah. But Inglorious Bastards does the exact same trick. Yeah. Which it, you know, Inglorious Bastards basically is, what if Anne Frank got away and then killed Hitler? You know, which is a good gimme. Like, you don't ever see that coming. They're like, well, you can't kill Hitler because it's, it's history. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. You can do whatever you want. It's a movie. And so she burned, like, shoots Hitler and all the Nazis burn to death. And there you go. That's great. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good revenge movie stunt. Because, you know, of course, you yeah. can do whatever you want to Nazis. Sure. Then he does it again in Django Unchained. Sure, yes. Rewrites history yeah. to a lesser degree, but to yes. To a lesser degree, but it's pretty unlikely that you're going to have that kind of thing happen in a right. plantation in the South. I don't think the Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio character really existed. No, no, but I think he's just like so a you've got of, a fictional character, right. He's, yeah, he's like a metaphor. for. So who else have we got? Well, the Mansons. Uh, okay, Manson family, sure, yeah, all right. And so, yeah, you can do whatever you want to them. And so you get to do the revenge movie that you wanted to do, and everyone's on board with it. The only problem with this, of course, is less people know the Manson story than know Hitler. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that where, like, mm, I guess, shouldn't they go after Charles Manson now? Nope, okay, well, that's fine. If you know about it, you know about it, and if you don't, you don't. But it seems like the same trick, basically, which is like, yeah. we're going to rewrite and right a wrong in history. Yeah. And once you realize that's what's going down you're like oh that's good oh but you just you did this magic trick yeah. twice before yeah. oh, that's what i that's what i said before i saw the film i said the same thing and then when it happens in the movie i was like oh i love this so it's, okay you know so it was just no no it was very satisfying yeah. and, and you know if that's the kind of thing you're into that's a very well done way of doing it yeah you know like i can't see him doing another like this unless he does a movie about 9/11 where the people on all the planes just go fuck this. We're going to we're yeah. going to we're going to we're not going to stand for this and then they they kill everybody on the on the planes that are taking it over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they go and they kill Osama bin Laden. I can't see how they would not do that. <laughs> sure. Right? That that would be the only next thing that he could do yeah, for yeah. that. Maybe that's why it's oh no, the next film will be his 10th film. So that'll be his final film. Well, if he's doing Star Trek or not. I think he's just making that up. No, I don't think so. I think he's going to do Star Trek. Huh. Yeah. Well, he always wanted to do James Bond, but they wouldn't let him. Okay. So this is a franchise movie that, you know, I they see. will let him basically yeah. do what he wants. Okay. I think that would fall outside of the 10 movie thing, though, because he doesn't count the that Four Rooms one either. Okay. So I think that's different. So I think it'll be okay. We'll still get a, a standalone Quentin Tarantino film that's not a Star Trek movie. Okay. And he's been talking about still doing another Kill Bill, so... Yeah, well, we'll see. But exactly, he be, he's allowed to talk off the top of his head all he wants. Right now, now the problem there's, there's a bit of a problem with this. You know, whether maybe you don't have a problem with it, maybe you do have a problem with it. But you know, the the Anne Frank gets revenge on Hitler. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really Anne Frank. Django didn't exist. The person he killed didn't exist. You get the satisfaction of yeah. it, but it's not re- a real person. Yes, Sharon Tate was a real person who was murdered. Mm-hmm. 
We've brought her back to life. We're representing her. We we, we don't have her fight back. Yeah. She just survives this. Yeah. Is that okay to do that? Is it okay to take a murder that's a real person who was really murdered uh, and and do that? Is that is that cool? Like, it was satisfying to see. You want sure. to see the Manson family. You want to see those guys suffer. Yeah. But is that... Is that all right? And I'm not 100% sure it is to like take a real person and just go, they weren't killed. Mm. Okay. Especially this famous person who was killed in such a gruesome way. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's fine. And uh, you enjoyed seeing the other people and there was the revenge. But mm-hmm. eh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd one. Well, if it's, if it makes you feel better, like just on the scale, there's like seven Manson family movies where she does get killed. So it just all even. So maybe. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking, because again, the, tr- the trick there too is, she is married to Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. who brings with him a bunch of baggage. So when you see... Not when, not when they were married, but yeah. Okay. Uh, well, who knows? He seemed very happy when they were married. and That's... that's he definitely, they, definitely went off the rails after her death. And that okay. does happen to people. Sure. All right. Yeah. But, okay. Here's, here's what I was wondering with this. and, and what The seemed, death of her and his child. Yeah. Okay. I get it. It's, yeah. it's awful. But, sure. you know, you still don't get to be a pederast because of, uh, and also he, you know, the tragedies in the Holocaust and there's horrible things that happened. Yes. There's awful things that happened. Yeah. But he had sex with an underage, uh, girl who was, uh, drugged and, you know, so, you know, there you go. Uh, so when we were introduced to the girl earlier who was eight years old, who is an actor mm. and Polanski is a director this is where I was wondering if they were going to go somewhere with that and we're going to skip ahead in time or if there's at any point where that girl who seems very mature ever got introduced to Polanski, mm. which it seemed like could happen, would would you just go, huh? Even though the tragedy hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, you don't get tragedied into those kind of things. Yeah. So I wondered, I wondered if that was where they were going to go with that. But I was glad that they didn't. Do that yeah, I don't that think that's be... what he was trying to do with this film. I think it's it's a weird. It's a tough one when you got a Polanski. What are you gonna? Yeah. Do you just ignore it? Like what, what? What he did was you basically don't have him in it at all. You have him take off, which is true. Which is he what, wasn't what he, there. He was in Europe, but you could have had a couple of scenes where yeah. they cross he's, paths. And he's not really important to the story. I don't think that's what we. Yeah, he's not really part of the story because Sharon Tate's character is like the mirror image of of Rick Dalton, right? This she's like the light in the film. Mm-hmm. That's her character, and she's on screen. It's just she's this bright, sunny thing that's right. that's just loving, loving her life, loving. She's playing, uh, yeah. She's uh, she's she's in the Wrecking Crew, and she's a goofball character playing the klutz. Yeah. If Rick Dalton was playing the klutz, he would uh, he would feel bad. He would like he'd have to be the leading man. Yeah. This yeah. would be that would uh, he he couldn't right. take it. But she's just so pleased with with her. Yeah. She I even find, tells people she plays the klutz. I feel I, yeah. I feel very similar. To she's very similar to the Brad Pitt character mm. to the point where I would like to have seen those two together because mm. those are two people that genuinely enjoy life and what they're doing. They probably unless he's killed his wife, in which case you don't want to <laughs> see him with Sharon Tate, right? They probably just cancel each other out though. In a way, you need that those two those opposites to kind of keep mm-hmm. creasing the dramatic wheels. Um, I was talking with someone; they were talking about the the violence of the, of the death of the, the Manson family. And I was thinking about it in the last couple of years. I never, I've never really seen it, seen the movies before, but I've been watching a little, uh, I've been watching some giallos, some Italian um, murder movies, basically. Okay. Giallo is 
Italian for yellow, and it's a reference to these books that were popular in Italy that had yellow jackets, and so the, the books were called giallos, and movies that used the as source or, or based in that kind of storytelling were called giallos as well. And basically, they're these films that are murder mysteries with really gruesome murders in them, like so gruesome in some cases. And they're really popular in Italy in the 60s and 70s, like really popular, like mainstream popular, not, sure. not drive-in or underground movie popular, just regular movies for regular folks to go to and just watch the most horrific murders in these films. And, and I think that's where, I think that's what thing, something that Quentin Tarantino is drawing from and he has these sort of sequences in his movies where people's faces are smashed into fireplaces and curb, you know, and the guy's head is crushed in a, you know, in a, in a, and what do they call that when you get curb stomped and things yeah. like that. Someone set on fire. And someone set on fire. These, yeah, he's just drawing from these films where and they're too dumb to like just mm-hmm. get into the pool because they're in a pool. <laughs> go down. Go down. Like I know you'd still be burned, but yes, we yeah. could really solve this problem fast. Sure. I can think of like one way out of it. <laughs> you're in a pool. Like I understand you're still gonna. It's, it's still a bad scene. Yeah, but yeah, and it's well, it's, it's no different than like you jump, dumb hippie. It's no, <laughs> it's no different than you know jumping through a window in a in a ballet school and ending up in a room full of barbed wire. Like what? What is it doing there? But it's just a part of this sure. kind of weird stylistic element of these movies. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I guess, you know, for Italians, especially people from the 60s, they grew up during the war. Sure. So death was very close to them. Yeah. And so to see it on the screen in this almost cartoonish, over-the-top way was probably, like, almost soothing, you know? And it's weird that Tarantino has drawn this and put into his own films where you, you regularly have things like, Hitler doesn't just die in Inglourious Bastards. He is basically pulverized by machine right. gun fire. He disappears under a hail of bullets. Well, you still, I mean, it, it was 15 years after, you know, World War II. So, like, there's a lot of people there that remember that who yeah. fought in the war. And yeah. so if you're going to be killing people with guns, you're going to, you're going to, you know, have them remembering the real thing. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to enjoy it in the same way. Either they'll be like, that wasn't realistic or oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah. So you got to make it a cartoonish thing mm-hmm. so you can actually turn it into entertainment. Yeah. 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 And the same with um, Django and Chain where you have like, it's kind of like you said, well, you liked it once when Jack Palance got pulled off screen or no, a character got shot by Jack Palance and pulled off screen by a rope, you know, so he gets shot and he just flies okay. out of, and so in Django Chain, that happens like 11 times or something like that where someone gets shot and they just like disappear off screen in a quick tug off, off, off screen. And, you know, he's just, he seems to enjoy this sort of heightened violence that is cartoonish and in a way it's over the top. So it undercuts its, you know, kind of undercuts itself in a way. So you're well, if you're, these... if you're a director, how do you stand out? I mean, there's yeah. so much violence. Like you can just sure. go watch an HBO show and see something brutal. <laughs> yeah, I, guess that's true. I mean, I thought there was definitely a parallel between the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. The beginning of the movie is uh, Bounty Law. And it's a guy who just kills people. Yeah, he doesn't take anyone alive. It doesn't take, clear. Yeah, because yeah. the amateurs do that. And it's yeah. like, that's not true at all. <laughs> no. It seems like a professional would be able to, would be so good yeah. that he would not have to yeah. kill the person every time. Mm-hmm. But no, it's like, so people have been turn, tuning into this series for a number of years just to watch people, especially back then, get brutally murdered mm. week after week after week. And this is the guy you go, hooray. So like, hey, that's what they like then. What do you like now? Mm. Now that we're now, well, we're gonna have to really go over the top because we can't just have shoot, fall. I gotta, I gotta smash some face. You know, I, we gotta see something. You know, so cartoonishly big over the top. Yeah, and you, and you do. And it's again, it's it's very well done. And I did find that part 
satisfying. <laughs> it's very but you, but, strangely satisfying. But there's a thing too where it's not. It's satisfying, but it's not a surprise. It's like no. This well, is, it was a surprise when they came into the into uh, Rick Dalton's house. Like the way it's set up is you think because they say go to Terry's place. Mm-hmm. Terry, that's where Polanski was renting Terry Melcher's house, Doris right. Day's son, who had just to give people some background, who had been introduced to Manson by Dennis Wilson, who had been introduced to Manson the same way that Cl- Cliff was. He picked up a girl hitchhiking, but it was much less choosy about his uh, who could suck his dick, basically. And so, okay. you know, he got kind of hooked up into the Manson family, and but gen- genuinely thought that Manson was talent, a talented songwriter. And there is a Manson song on a Beach Boys album that's called Cease to Resist. The original version was called Cease to Exist. And, and there is, a, he did audition to be a monkey. Did he really? Yeah. A lot of people did. But Charles, yeah. Charles Manson? Yes, wow, he did. Wow. Um, and so the, I guess he didn't realize that it was the fix was in for that show. But what if that was what finally drove him? Yeah, that was a, <laughs> couldn't be a monkey. And it was actually uh, Pisces Aquarius Smith, what was it called? Pisces Aquarius something in Jones. The, that was the monkey's album that, just, that he'd used to as a template for the, the race rebellion oh, i didn't instead know of that. the no no i'm just saying instead of the beatles oh, okay. uh, right. very good very good okay i got you uh so yeah so he so he had been working with uh, terry melcher because terry melcher was a uh, producer at columbia records and by the no, way i'm sorry i just snoped it no he didn't audition for him sorry okay okay fine. go ahead that's fine and uh, it's a good it's a good bit of myth there see that's a problem with with people like Charles Manson, those we want to myth, myth, mythologize them. Running part, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the audition notice now. Mm-hmm. Uh, running parts for four insane boys, age 17 to 21. Yeah. Well, he did. He did make that cut, I guess. But as I say, the the fix was in because they already they hired two people who are already signed to Coal Gems Records, Mike Nesmith and David Jones. M- want spirited Ben Franks types. I don't know what that means. And have courage to work. Wasn't Ben Franks the uh, was it? A, oh, I don't know what Ben Franks was. I was going to say I thought it was a that was a, de- a delicatessen that was kind of well known, but I think I'm getting mixed up. With okay, all right, we can look that up later on. Sure, but please continue. Uh, so, so Melcher, but I think Melcher kind of got cold feet. He kind of recognized uh, Manson's was insane, was a violent lunatic, and he basically ghosted him. He left L.A. He rented his house to Polanski, and he left L.A. for a while to get a, to kind of get away from this situation. So he just thought, this is very dangerous and I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't think he realized that he was putting other people in danger by renting them the house. I think if he had realized that, he just would have left it empty. But he knew Polanski and he just, well, you can stay here while I'm, because I need to go to Europe or do whatever. And so, yeah, it was an unfortunate thing where the, the like anyone who was in that house was in no way intended as, was in no way should have been a victim. It was just merely because it was supposed to be a message sent to Terry Melcher right. that he killed four adults and, a, and an unborn infant or had them killed yeah and including like polanski his a friend who was another survivor of the the concentration camps who had you know as a child had scraped and and cheated and lied and connived and somehow got himself yeah. through the war and survived it all only to get killed by these these brutal teenagers you know like what a way to go and he was, died defending Abigail Folger from from them. So that's the thing. The, the men died trying to defend the women. And the women died because they couldn't defend themselves against three people who surprised them in a house. Well, I mean, and, Sharon Tate did did try to convince them to let her have the baby and say, 
you can kill me after I have the baby. Mm. You know, Is that so what she, they say? Yeah. I never heard that. Probably, yeah. yeah. So, she, you know, she did try to do that. Um, There's a lot of parts of the story I don't know just because they weren't in the one book I ever read about it. Okay. And I never wanted to read another book about it again. No, I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a big fan fair. of that either. I am glad that they made them look like boobs. That's yes. gr- That's excellent. I'm all for that. Yeah. And, yeah, the setup. And, they, but also dangerous. Like when Cliff goes to the to Spawn Ranch, to the, oh, movie, yeah. to the movie ranch. And you're like, well, he can take care of this hippie and this hippie. But not that one, <laughs> yes. and this one, and then they just yeah. start gathering. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a, it's like a Hitchcock thing with the birds. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, wait a minute. This is a lot that's, of birds. That's a good. That's and a good. He's, uh, yeah, he's a long way away from his car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like all right. Uh, yeah, when uh, she sends the, <laughs> this is kind of outside of the movie. Outside of the movie, let me just talk about outside the movie. I love the fact that they, the people riding horses in this film, the actors riding the horses in this film, could really ride horses, like they boot it. Like, not just the, the girl who sent to get Tex Watson, but also Tex Wat- the actor playing Tex Watson. Well, if your name's Tex, you better know how to ride a horse. Sure, but I'm just talking about the actor. There's lots right. of movies with people supposedly able to ride horses where the actors are bouncing around in the seat. It just looks like they're, on, they're at the grocery store Here's riding a question a, for you, then. In the Western parts of it, mm-hmm. how were the horse riders in that? There's not that much... Tim Oliphant ri- rides a horse. Yeah. He's, he's, he's actually pretty good. He's a good horse rider. He yeah. does pretty well there, actually. I, I also I just plain like that guy. That guy... <laughs> That guy just delivers in everything that yeah, he does. He's yeah. very good. He's very good. Yeah, everyone in this film is good. Everyone delivers. On it their was part. it was nice seeing Kurt Russell. It was nice seeing Zoe Bell. Yeah, you know, as the, the you know the and the I like stunt that people. I like that they're listed as the gang at the end of the film. Oh, that's nice. in the credits. He lists all the regular people that appear in his film as the gang. And there's Tim Roth was supposed to be in it, but his, it just says Tim Roth cut. Yeah. So I assume that scene wasn't was taken out of the film, which is too bad. But yeah, so he has his the gang, and I really like that. There's a gang, and I like. You know, you can tell when a actors are good to work with when they are, are more than one film with a, with a director. So Leonardo DiCaprio in in Django Unchained and now in this film, and then mm-hmm. and then Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards and now in this film. But also the fact that they they want to work with Tarantino it shows it just shows a good right. relationship. Same Kurt as Zoe, Russell and Zoe Bell. And Zoe Bell, in Death, yeah. Death uh, Proof. Death Proof, and then Zoe Bell was the was Uma Thurman's stunt double for the Kill Bill films. Yeah, I mean. There, there's obviously he's someone who's easy to work with. What's really great about his movies is that it's a movie that you're watching. It's, it's the way it's shot, the way it's lit, the way, I mean, the amount of work they must have gone through to turn modern L.A. into, into mm-hmm. 1969 L.A. You know, it's not, there's no green screen in that movie. People are actually driving cars. Yeah, luckily there are the theaters that look the same yeah. as, as yeah. they and did back then. Yeah, and it can be, be dressed up. We were driving through Aldergrove last night where I live, and uh, it was all dressed up for a Hallmark Christmas movie. So they had wreaths on all the shop doors along yeah. the street and, and all this piles of uh, foam to, to look like uh, snow. Same in Vancouver. Piled there was up. one recently. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a hell of a lot of Hallmark movies that shoot in Vancouver. There was three movies being shot, or three things being shot in Aldergrove as we were driving through it last it night. It would make sense for them weird. to triple up on the Christmas stuff. Yeah. You know, if you're like, if we're making this street winter, anyone else need a winter scene? Yeah, go yeah. for it. <laughs> Here, Here we are. But yeah, this definitely... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the work they went into, like the amount of cars that were in this film. Like that, the, the, I was watching them. They, there's a scene where they drive onto the freeway, and I was just like, when he's bringing Pussycat yeah. back to the Spawn Ranch, and and by the way, the actress who plays Pussycat, I don't know her name. She was also really good in um, the Nice Guys, the mm. that film with. Um, she is very good. She's the physicality. She yes, does, when the she's looks. like the goofiness of her yeah. character at the bus stop, where she's so disarming, and then and, it turns. Oh, I know. And then when he gets gets to the ranch, and she suddenly doesn't like him anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's really well played. She does a really good job there. Yeah, it's a, it's like you know, like I say, like it's a Quentin Tarantino film, and I think he really likes actors. 
and just wants to give them like the juiciest things to do because there's lots of scenes in there where it's just like some juicy chew the scenery moments for you if you want to do it and it's just so nice for 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 anyone you know like uh and Leonardo DiCaprio must be like the greatest guy to work with I don't know it's weird like he's done five Scorsese films mm-hmm. and now two Tarantino films it's weird like that actors it's just not weird but it seems like he has a reputation for of, as one sort of person but it, 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 the amount of like how often he works with the same directors. It was interesting, interesting seeing a scene with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and uh, and Al Pacino. Yes. And thinking at one time, each of these pe- per- people was the sexiest person in Hollywood, bar none. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just... Brad Pitt just, still has it. He's still pretty sexy. Come on. They're all fine. He's, he's 50, like, 55, they're fine, looks great. but they're not the sexiest person in Hollywood. He, they that, look great. That, that ship is no, okay. Sailed. He's not. I'm just saying he's still sexy. He's not the sexiest person, but he's still he's still got it. Right. Leonardo DiCaprio's it. fine as well. He looks good. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fine. I'm not putting them down, but they were. I felt like you were putting them down. They I'm were, defending them. When you said when if you said the words Brad Pitt, yeah, you thought Legends of the Fall. You mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, and you know, I I don't know what what the cool you know, thought cool world, you know, uh, you know Serpico, whatever something, but like the that God, was what was sexy back then. So the Godfather, you look at you look yeah. at you look at it like you know, yeah, Godfather, sure, there you go, and it was you know, if if you would have put Godfather posters on your wall, you would have, yeah. But everyone had Brad Pitt, and everyone had Leonardo sure, DiCaprio, sure, sure. So so you are kind of riding that as well. So when you're talking about this movie, where a guy is, is thinking about being a has-been, even mm. though you don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is someone past his prime, yeah. to a lot of audience, yeah. he's the guy, oh, right, he was in Titanic. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. So, you know, I could see how he would, uh, yeah. he would, be, he would be thinking that. That does, that does play out well. Well, yeah, it's, inter- and it's kind of interesting, like, um, in Tarantino's mind, like, it's obviously not in the, in the film per se, but... He feels that Rick Dalton's character is an undiagnosed bipolar. Uh, he suffers from that, so that's part of his character. Part of his character is that, like the back part, you know, like he gives the actors these kind of very detailed okay. descriptions of their characters, like the you know to you, you know you can use it or not, you know, and so that's part of his character is this thing. So I thought it was interesting that you said he was depressed and that I was like, oh yeah, because that's how he is. He's, well, there's there's a similarity, high and low, high and low. That's, Even though you don't really get a lot of Charles Manson, and that's good. Because don't mm-hmm. make him a because you would have to give yeah, him great again. great lines you would have to make him charming sure and I don't want to fucking see that no so it's just like you just see this guy there you go yeah but it's not looking a million, for Terry right but it's not a million miles away from uh, from Al Pacino's character which is Al Pacino sees Rick Dalton and he sees the hunger in Rick Dalton mm-hmm. and he can use Rick Dalton he yeah. can get what he wants from Rick Dalton yeah. when that when they're done they're done yeah that's 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 what he wants. The thing about uh, and so and same with Manson and the and you know all these you know uh, young people is yeah. like they're hungry for something they want a family he's given them the family and then he can make them do these horrible things mm. you get you get the setup of Charlie will love you to Brad Pitt yeah but no he's not hungry mm. he's he's well fed yeah, he, yeah. he knows what he what he is sure. so he's got no temptations yeah and even when they're giving him an out of like get out of here safely and just mind your business. No, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna you know. go check on. I'm gonna check on my friend. Yeah, you know, because uh, I'm not. I'm not scared of you guys, even though maybe maybe you should be scared of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting when you see like if you don't have that hunger, yeah. no one can hurt you. And though we don't really get uh, that with Sharon Tate, she doesn't seem to have that hunger either. She seems well fed emotionally. Well, she's on the up. She's on the up. That's 
So she's very lucky right she now. She could, she could be. She's yeah, been, she's been in some. She's been, you know, her her dreams are coming too. She was a beauty beauty contestant, and now she's sure. Like, now she's an actress. She was in the Wrecking Crew. She was in the Fearless Vampire Killers. Right, but you've got someone she's like a Rick Dalton got a who baby on the way. Yeah, that's fair enough. But you had someone like Rick Dalton who could, if he was in the right mental state, go. Things are working out. I'm starring in all these movies. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of work, but he, but he isn't because he's hungry. Because yeah. he's just got this need, that yeah. need the yeah. hole that needs to be filled. No, that's and true. They, and they don't seem to, they don't seem to have that. Yeah, I have, I've heard other people use it, but I, I always, when the girls were, were younger, they would talk about someone. I'd be like, yeah, he's a working actor. You know, he's a person that he's not a big star, mm-hmm. but if you watch enough TV or movies, you will see this person working, and that's really admirable that someone is able to have a career in a. You know, in, a, in an occupation that's really tentative, you know, sometimes right. you can you cannot have a career anymore. You'll see a J.K. Simmons; he will work forever. He will work, yeah, because he's a really good. And actor. he won an Oscar, and that's swell. <laughs> but he didn't give up his job as the uh, yellow M M&M and M. Yeah, yeah, because he's a working actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how he feels about his career, or if you mm-hmm. like, I'd, I'd like another Oscar. I'd like to star in more things. It doesn't matter. It, he's 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 fine. You know what? I'm sure there's dark moments for everyone where you feel like, you know. There's that time where you're less like, oh, it's over. I'm done. It's I've wrecked my career. I shouldn't have done that movie, right. or that was a bad decision I made. I shouldn't have turned down Reservoir Dogs 15 years ago. Was I thinking? And then the next day, someone calls you and they're like, oh, do you want to do such and such? You're like, I'm on the top, baby, all the way. You know, just like that's his yeah. life, right? You're gonna have those ups and downs. And I mean, this movie. Rick Dalton's character plays into that that feeling that all actors, I'm sure, feel. These are the two dark sides of Hollywood. They show there's the nostalgia, yeah. which you go, ah, oh, the past wasn't it? Wasn't it fun and great? And yeah. It's like okay, yeah. but how were the people in it feeling? Mm-hmm. Mm, that guy not feeling so good, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you know up and down. And like, but no, it was great. Look at all these you know young people having a good time, and it was like, oh, well, there was also the Manson family. Oh yeah, right, okay, yeah, there was that dark side too. Yeah, Fair enough. Dark, here we here we go. The 60s, there we go. For sure. It's it's almost like it depends where you are in the sixties too. Like for Hollywood, the Manson family slayings probably seem like a real end end of an era. Whereas for music fans, Altamont is often the Rolling Stones sure. concert where someone was killed by the Hell's Angels. That's often brought up as like the end of the sixties. You know, here's the one thing I again I, I get that uh, the Tarantino likes feet and that's fine. The one th- the one thing I, I do like about Sharon Tate taking off her shoes in the movie theater yeah. and putting her feet up, yeah. Is you could look at this movie as you know uh, Rick Dalton when he sees well when Rick Dalton sees hippies he sees young people and young people are the enemy because yeah, yeah. he's getting older that's and he's right. moving on that's right and they they represent the future and that's bad but I think there are and some, they represent the change in Hollywood that he's that's leaving sure. him behind yeah but I think I think anyone who's different like just to regular person on the street when they see these uh, barefooted young people with long hair that's different that seems dangerous. Oh, there could be trouble. Yeah. And in this movie, you were right. Everything you felt about hippies was correct. Yeah. They are murdering psychopaths. They will come to your house. They will kill you. Yeah. You're right to feel that hippies, <laughs> these these people who hate hate you know uh, say they love freedom but they hate America. Yeah. You're correct. So it's nice seeing someone who seems a little hippieish and likes dancing and likes being barefoot and you know likes partying sure. like Sharon Tate yeah. is a good person. So it's like okay, they're not all that because you could take this as real anti left. You know, thing of like they're all garbage. Yeah, yeah. You know, but they're but but they're not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're only seeing it from one person's perspective. That's correct. So. But that's so. that's how propaganda works. Well, is you, is, yeah, I guess you, or stories work too. They tell you from one person's point of view. That's that's how stories work. But yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, it's... Whose perspective do you think this movie is from when you're saying that? I think a lot of it is from, from Rick Dalton's perspective. I think you see, you're seeing the world through, through his eyes. No, okay. I'd say it's Brad Pitt's perspective. Hmm. You know, he's seeing his, he's seeing his friend kind of, you know, falling apart a little bit. Yeah. Tries yeah. to help where he can. Sure. But Remember, I think, you're Rick Dalton. That's right. Yeah. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. That's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was probably not very helpful for Rick Dalton, who doesn't it, feel it actually, like a lost. I mean, that is, that is actually the thing that he does have to remember because he's wanting other people to tell him who he is. Yeah. And he's saying, no, you just got to remember who you are. Yeah. And yeah, that is a big thing. I like the scene where um, it's a, it is the flashback to the Bruce Lee thing. Mm-hmm. And again, who knows if he's remembering it correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's how you remember things. Sure, of course. Uh, but uh, but but I but I like that you know yeah. at the end of it he just goes yeah that's about right makes sense yeah I should have been fired that's correct <laughs> yeah. it's like he convinced himself with his own memory yeah, I'm just like yeah it's yeah, all right that's, yeah sure that's how it is that's how and that's how he rolls with it it's yeah, just like okay yeah. it, like to 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 Rick Dalton that would be his greatest regret yeah, I've ruined I've ruined my career probably. forever I've burned all the bridges yeah. and him it's like yeah it's fair <laughs> yeah would you do it again probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's who I am, and what are you gonna do? That scene has the the, the best line in the movie to me, though, which is uh, where Bruce Lee says, "My fists are registered as lethal weapons. You know, if I kill a man, I'll go to jail." He's like, "Yeah, anyone who kills a man will go to jail. That's called manslaughter." <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's a great great line. I just love it. It's like those sort of moments of reality that you don't think, "Yeah, wait a second. Because you grew up as a kid hearing that about Bruce Lee. You know, right. his, his fists were, were registered as lethal weapons. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, it's a bit of a straw man uh, thing he's saying. You're, you're doing wordplay there. What he's saying <laughs> for real is, though he didn't say it correctly, yeah. is my fists are lethal weapons. Yeah. If I hit you, I go to jail. Not if I kill you. Oh, okay. If I hit you. It's like basically I take a gun out. Yeah. It's a lethal weapon. I aim it at you. I okay. go to jail because uh, it's a lethal weapon. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. if I kill you or not. You cannot threaten someone with a sure. lethal weapon yeah. or, a, or do anything. Even if I shut you on the shoulder, I'm going to jail because I, I can't. I, I kind of doubt that they were registered as lethal weapons, but that's all right. He can say that. He's Bruce Lee. Yeah. Come on. It's Bruce Lee. Who would win in a fight between Bruce Lee and Cassius Clay? Well, I think in terms of size... Cassius Clay. I mean, he's a heavyweight boxer. Bruce Lee is not a heavyweight fighter. He's no. a he's a featherweight. Bruce Lee is very fast. He's very fast, but one, you know, one Cassius Clay was also very fast. So he is. But at Cassius that time, Clay was the rope dope guy. No, he, no. Later on, he was rope dope guy. At that okay. time in his career, when he was Cassius Clay, right. he was very fast. Okay, unbelievably fast. Yeah. Yeah, you're thinking later when he, yeah, yeah. the rope dope was a survival technique for a person who's okay. slowed down a bit in his career. In the first part of his career, he was, yes, very fast and very, very dangerous. And yeah, Bruce Lee, the movie doesn't really make it clear because Bruce Lee actually didn't fight in a, in a, that kind of like, you know, kind of martial arts, you know, chop, you know, chopping uh, hand kind of motion. He actually was, he actually was a puncher. In fact, his fighting style was more MMA oh, okay. than it was like a, our idea of a traditional karate style martial arts. Like if I have his book at home. I got it. I've never used it, but I just bought it out of interest because I like Bruce Lee, and and it's like a manual of his of his technique. And I can't remember what it's called now. Sorry. And and uh, yeah, a lot of the things in it are like more punching techniques and stuff mm. like that that he's that he's talking about. Not not like chopping or cutting pieces of wood in half and stuff like that. The movies are one thing. Like the movies are entirely different in terms of his actual fighting system. 
It was more like a, mar- a mixed martial arts uh, system with a lot of punching. I did like stuff. seeing him uh, training Sharon Tate, though. That was also yeah, his thing. That's great. Which he did. Which he did. Yeah, that's why. That's why um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in is in uh, Game of Death because he was a student of Bruce Lee as well. Oh, neat. Yeah, he because be, well, he was trying to get his career going. He would train celebrities like people. You know, people wanted to ah, this guy is a great fighter. I want to want to. Train from him, yeah. and uh, this this on uh, a little bit of when you're talking about like the gang earlier, mm. the one member of the gang that was not part of this film that's been part of every other film was uh, Harvey Weinstein. Mm. So this is the first uh, okay. one that has not been connected with okay. him. Okay, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because it was a Columbia film, right? That's uh, prominently displayed as a Sony movie. Mm-hmm. They have the Columbia, the old Columbia image from the 1960s on 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 the screen. Just to give it that little bit of... And there's but, another dark side of Hollywood. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And once again, not something that he's thinking about in this film, because this movie is more about the that weird period in, in, in Hollywood films where Hollywood did not know what to do to make movies anymore. And there's a scene where they're driving along and there's the night they raided Minsky's, which is kind of like a, a transitional film Directed by, um, oh, duh. directed by William Friedkin. Okay. Director of The Exorcist yeah. and, and uh, Sorcerer. And then it's got Funny Lady, which was kind of the sequel to Hello, Dolly. But it was a big flop because it just kind of Did hit. Did Funny Lady come after Funny Girl? Oh, sorry, Funny Girl. Sorry, Funny okay. Girl. Sorry. Funny Girl. Which Funny was, Lady was the sequel. That's that. right. That was the third one. No one liked that one at all. Omar Sharif. She's, gonna, she's still doing that one. She's still planning Funny Lady. She just has to get to the right age. And then, so yeah, Funny Girl, which came, kind of followed Hello, Dolly. Similar kind of big costume, musical, big flop. Just because the timing wasn't right. Why did they do Funny Lady then, if, uh, if Funny Girl was such a big flop? I don't think there was a Funny Lady. I think I misspoke. No, Funny Lady is a film. There's a Funny Lady? You know what? I got the other thing wrong. Why don't you keep talking? <laughs> yes, I'm going to look it up. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Funny Girl was a big hit and Funny Lady was the flop. Okay. But yeah, so for Hollywood at that time, it was, you know, they were, they didn't know what to do, you know, and suddenly there were these movies. Yep, sequel to Funny Girl. Oh, okay. So Funny Lady was the flop. Yeah, funny, uh, funny, uh, funny Lady came out in uh, 75. Oh, well then, no, I'm pretty sure Funny Girl was not, oh, that's I'm going to look up Funny Girl now. That's weird. I thought that... F- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. 68 for Funny Girl. Yeah. I mean, it's accurate in terms of the film, yeah. uh, like what would have been playing in theaters at the time. But I thought it was not a success. And I, 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 we don't have time to, to look these things well, up. We do I'm just going to keep talking about the fact that <laughs> this was the transitional time when suddenly movies like Easy Rider were making huge amounts, like making huge money. And there was a change from leading men as well. So you went from very masculine actors... To these, you know, Peter Fonda and actors with long hair, Michael Saracen and people like that, that suddenly were a different style than Which what you had before. Which was kind of Steve McQueen's problem when he wanted to go out with mm-hmm. Sharon Tate, and she's into these twelve-year-old yeah. boy-looking fellas, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's like never, you never stood a chance. These are the new. These are the that's new what's people. new, yeah. Steve McQueen. Yeah, you are. Bye. You're old. You're old fashioned. I mean, he, luckily for him, he was able to kind of stretch his career out uh, for quite a while, even though he took a weirdly long time out for his career for like four years he didn't do any movies hmm. and then he died but anyway um <laughs> who doesn't yes it's true it's inevitable but yeah so so for someone like rick dalton yeah that's that's part of why he hates hippies is because hippies are changing movies too it's not just 
They're not just out there on the streets, right? You know, making a fuss. They're also in the business, taking away jobs from honest guys like him who've been working so long. Though, uh, when he gets made up like a hippie, yeah, because hippies are the villains, so yeah, that's yeah. why you get made up like a hippie in that uh, western. He keeps the hairstyle, like he he grows his hair out, mm-hmm. and it's very very similar. Yeah, and I think it's because. The little girl gave him a compliment when he looked like that, and that's the best moment of his life. And so sure. he wants to also, kind of lock into that. Also, people's hairstyles changed because it was it was pretty much you know, exactly what it was in it that one more, episode of the of the show. So once it became something. more socially acceptable, mm-hmm. people's yeah, maybe. hairstyles changed. That's that's also a fact. That's you, know? yeah, that's you can possible. look at actors who are actors in the '60s and then look at them in the '70s and. Suddenly they have these big sideburns. And sure, sure. And I'm going to take it, though, that it was like the best moment of his life. Oh, I'm sure. Because I can't think. Can you think of a better moment for him in the movie than the eight-year-old girl telling him that that was the best acting she's ever seen? That was the, that was the best that anything got for him in that movie. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a great moment for him. But it's also a moment for him where it's a, it's a, it could be a realization for him that he's not just Jake Cahill you know, yeah. character from Bounty Law, that he actually is, Rick Dalton, a pretty good actor who could have a career, you know, like that's an ongoing thing. You know, that if he took it seriously, that if he wasn't just getting drunk at night and then showing up the next day and, you know, mm-hmm. putting his face into a bowl of ice water to get the bags out from under his eyes, you know, if he took it seriously, like this little girl does, then he could have sure. a career. He could, he has the talent you know, he is impressive. He didn't just impress her. He also impressed the director, who was a big fan of him, who felt that he had something to offer the show and wasn't just blowing smoke up his ass, I assume, but really believed in him, you know, and, and gave him an opportunity, changed his character in a, and helped him in a way by giving him the wig and kind of making him change how he looked, opened up this possibility for him to extend his career, to not fall to the side, not be all these other actors and mm. it's not just rick dalton there's lots of real people real actors who had hit shows in the 50s who played tv cowboys and stuff like that sure. that attempted to transition into movies or keep a tv career going and didn't just kind of faded away and so that the scene is kind of an opening for him and maybe maybe the end of the movie when he gets to actually meet sharon tate when his hope pays off that living next door to roman polanski the man who just directed the 1960s jaws rosemary's baby which made so much money at that time period yeah. made more money than any movie had made at that up to that time it was just like this huge blockbuster you know maybe there's an opportunity for him maybe it doesn't have to be a roman polanski movie but it could be just you know an opportunity to get into other movies to find a place there and if he takes it seriously that's an opportunity so who knows i have hope for him that's my that's my feeling about rick dalton okay. in the film that is definitely a way to take it sure but i think you know you know, it's possible he'll just keep being a phony, you know, and not 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 be real. But on the other other hand, it's possible that he can he can change for the better. I have, like I say, I have hope for him. <laughs> what does? Okay, fair enough. We can say what does. Uh, okay, like uh, it starts. It starts off with him. His character using a flamethrower mm-hmm. in this movie, yeah, and training with a flamethrower for so long, <laughs> Two and weeks. then keeping the flamethrower. Two weeks, right? Is there a way we could turn down the heat on this thing? Yeah, it's no. it's it's really setting up how hot that thing is. <laughs> he kept it. He yeah. kept that for some reason in his pool shed, loaded, ready to go, like yeah. ready to use. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that that's, mm. and then the first chance that he gets. <laughs> 
He kills somebody with it. But to be fair, she was firing a, a gun. She had a gun, mm-hmm. which is really dangerous. Sure. So, but yes, he did shoot her with a flamethrower. Right. He didn't go away and run away and call the police. No. He came back with a flamethrower yeah. and burned her to death. Sure. There's something about that. Like, um, Brad Pitt's character... Yeah, I like, by the way, that he was high when he wasn't sure what was going on. But that was great. still amazing. That was great. That's See, what's so great about the, the first feeding sequence. You're just kind of like, well, okay, this is all right. And he's just feeding his dog and whatever. But then when he's doing it again and he's, he's high. Yeah. But that's a good scene because part of that scene reveals his character too, though, which is that his dog is so well-trained. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Once again, it's weird that he lives in this kind of very, very rundown situation. Like, he doesn't have a nice apartment. He doesn't have any... He doesn't have anything. He's just got this crummy place that he yep. lives in. And maybe that's part of his situation. If people think he murdered someone, he's not going to be very welcome in the sure. business. He's, he's struggling in that way. And maybe this is working for Rick Dalton is the only kind of option he has. It does provide some occasional chances to be a stunt double. Mm-hmm. And, but when you, get the, when you get the parallel sequence of him feeding this dog again at Rick Dalton's place, and he's starting to trip, and he's you know, looking at his arm and... And the dog's still obeying him. It's, just, it's a great little sequence there. I love it. I know, it. and you think there's trouble because now the dog's frozen and the dog can't defend himself until he says something. Mm-hmm. You know, because, and, and then he's just frozen. Mm-hmm. He can't do anything. But he's trained this dog to attack as well, yeah. which is smart because he's living on his own. So, like, he does need this dog, but he's also, he's a stunt person. Yeah. So he's training the dog to do tricks and stunts, and that's what he... That's what he does. Mm-hmm. That he, that's what he is. That's what the dog is. And the dog likes doing that. Yeah. So it's all great. But yeah, that dog has been trained to kill. <laughs> he's trained the dog to kill. Sick balls. Yeah. He yes, like he knows, he, knows what he's, uh, <laughs> he knows what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to point out that the flamethrower is terrible, but all the characters have really horrible, really terrible gory ends. You know, mm-hmm. Tex Watson's character gets sick ball. His balls are sicked upon. Uh, and then he gets curb stomped well no one's got a gun that's the thing it's yeah. like if you're okay the, if you're there is a, a gun tex watson had a gun yeah he did yeah but like if you're gonna kill a person and you don't have a gun mm. which he didn't have a gun cliff didn't cliff did have a gun okay i see, I see. yeah i see i see so uh it takes a long time to kill somebody mm-hmm. and you got to do a lot of stuff and it's awful <laughs> and they sh- they show that it's not an easy thing oh no no so it's going to take a while sure. and they it does take a while unless you've got a flamethrower and even then but it rick, takes yes a while. rick Dalton didn't have a gun but he did have a flamethrower in his in his shed i just that's that's i just love that i love it because it's a trophy from the glory yeah, days. Yeah, it's a trophy from the glory days. And I don't, I mean, that movie, people still love that movie, 16 Fists or whatever yeah. the hell it was called. It's such a maybe, dumb name. Maybe Al Pacino <laughs> likes it. Maybe Al Pacino is just spinning a story to tell to tell the actor what yeah. he needs to tell yeah. him. Because oh, it feels sure. like, you know, he feels, it yeah. feels like he's the manipulator and the, you know, not as bad oh, as yeah. Manson, but, yeah, you yeah. know. No, no. I mean, Hollywood is about manipulation and Charles, Charles Manson was just a a byproduct of that sort of situation, you know, that you had all, you had all these people that came there to be manipulated. That's right. They had dreams yeah. and he was the nightmare. He, and if and you he can't get with, a dream, you get a nightmare. He came with his dreams, you know, like, and he studied, he studied it in, in, in prison. He studied, you know, he studied Scientology. He knew like how to make people do what you want. You know, he understood brainwashing techniques. He, he applied all that stuff. That he it's learned. weird. It's weird off the top when um, you have the guy who's interviewing, 
uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Brad Pitt, and it's in black and white. Yeah. And he's like, I'm on the set of yeah. Bounty Law, and uh, you know, this is uh, it's Rick Dalton. Yeah. And this is uh, this is your stunt man. You know, what do you do? And then they do a little joke. It's like, well. That's all we got for today. Yeah. Like, what was this? Yeah. What show was this yeah, for? Was this something that's on before the show? Was this a commercial? Yeah. Like that. But he does say next time we'll be talking, yeah, to, talking to Dick Van Dyke, uh, yeah. Maury Amsterdam, and Rosemary. Yeah. And like, for how long? Yeah. One minute? But once again, it's like a minute. Yeah. Is yeah. It, were these real things that people did? I'm sure these they were. Quick I'm sure they were. Because it yeah. seems like this is a long day for you to come out to set and set things up and do the thing. Yeah. Do you put it on before the show? Do you put it on during a different they're show? Just, they're just, just paying, a commercial? They're just paying me, brother. I don't ask any questions. Yeah. Like, you don't know if there's an ad that, that bookends it or, or something like that, right? So, however, whatever, whatever sells yeah. motor oil. You're getting, yeah, you, that, is the, that is the thing. Like, you, you never know really what foot you're on with these characters because you really are getting it from their perspective. The narrator is not hundred percent reliable. Hundred percent reliable. Yeah. So like Rick Dalton feels he's doing badly. Yeah. But all evidence to the contrary, yeah. he's a working actor that does quite mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Pitt seems like the greatest guy in the world, except, except for this weird, someone's the story that's going on. Yeah, there's him. a story over here that I heard. Yeah. And when I saw a flashback, it cut before that. It so hmm, mm, and that's strange. also, by the way, his memory in the same way he was remembering the Bruce Lee thing. I don't know. So nothing's the only person that you really kind of get is Sharon Tate. You know, she seems pretty straightforward because, you know, she's someone you're supposed to relate to. And that's a fun part of the film, her her day out. It's not just her going to the movie. She goes to a bookstore and she buys a a book for Roman Polanski, Tess of the D'Urbervilles, because we know that he loved that book because he made Tess, the film with Nastasia Kinski, a person he also became obsessed with. Um, He... So we know that, you know, so that's, she's buying a gift for her husband that she loves. Then she's wandering back to her car and she sees this movie playing, The Wrecking Crew, which, which by the way, is a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Like all the movies made by Hollywood at that time period, most of them are awful from that period. I don't know if you've ever seen a Matt Helm film with Dean Martin? No, how many did you do? I think there's three of them. Um, I'll tell you my problem with Matt Helm films, and it's just a personal story. Okay. Uh, I did a game show once called Talk About in Canada. Okay. And uh, Dean Martin was a category. And how, how, how you win Talk About yeah. is uh, they give you a topic, yeah. and there's 10 words, and you've got to say as much as you can within uh, 30 seconds. Okay. And then if, if uh, you say the thing, then it lights up. And then the ones you don't guess, the other people get to see, but just those. And then if they can guess who the care person or thing is from that, they win. Okay, and uh, and I had never heard of a Matt Helm movie, so I got everything in the Dean Martin category except for Matt oh, Helm. Oh. And at the end of it, I was like, "Gosh, damn it! I wish I don't Matt Helm." So, I, but I still have not seen a Matt Helm film because I, like Rick Dalton, am bitter about that. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not great movies. I can you know they're campy. They're silly. they're basically James Bond spoofs, sure. With a but a, you know with very sexy uh, ladies, a lot of bikini stuff going on, right? But it's also kind of gross because it's got like this 50 year old guy dean martin kind of going around with these young women just kind of you're like bleh, bleh. but thank goodness they never did that with james bond had an older james bond going around with the young yeah that's woman. why i don't like the roger moore movies because mm. they're also blah ugh, <laughs> i like the roger moore movies <laughs> talk about that another time <laughs> but um yeah it's it, and but it's it's fun watching her go and t- and go to the movies and say I'm in this movie. Yeah. And, how, and then, wouldn't every, you? And everyone's excited for her. Yeah. And they're all like, they get her, their picture taken with her. 
And then she goes into the movie theater and she's so happy to see her when you get to see her. Sure. We get to see the real Sharon Tate on screen, which I think is a wonderful thing there because who's forgotten about in the Charles Manson murders? Sharon Tate is forgotten about. People don't talk about her. People don't know who she is anymore. So it's really nice to see her in a fun role in this movie where she gets to do some karate. She gets to do her klutzy stuff. It's great. So, and we get to see that actress. Yeah, you don't edit her out Mm -hmm. of it, which is nice. That's Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. That is a way of honoring that that actress, that victim of this horrible thing. So, you know, let's let's kind of put the scales even for, is it okay to have her a real person in a movie? Because in a way, it's a, a way to remember this person that, you know, this movie is kind of a testament to her. I mean, how people felt about her. And that by all accounts, she was, as she was portrayed in the film, she was this really sunny, lively, sure. lovely person that people liked. And obviously, when someone dies tragically, you're going to forget everything that you didn't like about that person and just remember all the things that were great about them. But by all accounts, she really was a sweet person. Yeah, I will take... Okay, here, it, play this out in your head, and let's not say a name. Okay. But think of anyone that was gruesomely murdered, mm-hmm. like in the last 30 years, and you can think of anyone you want, whatever. Now, you want to make a movie, and it's a revenge movie, and uh, you flip it and have them instead killing the murderer mm. in a very gruesome, gruesome way. Yeah. And uh, they win at the end, and everything's great for them. Yeah. Is that cool for you to do? Is that cool for you to do? Think about that. Do you feel comfortable doing that? Like a real person yeah. gets killed, yeah. and you picture anyone that you can think of, picture anyone you can think of, yeah. and then just flip flip it flip it around and you you do that is that all right like it's done very well here style stylistically mm. it's very well yeah. it's a satisfying ending like dramatically it works yeah ethically does it feel all right so just and that's just a mind game for you yeah. play it play it out in your head play so, it out anyone who's listening you know just think of anyone who's been killed in a in a graphic way and uh and then and, fl- and flip it around and uh it, see depends, how how, it depends how you do it but i i think it i think it could be satisfying I do. Could be satisfying. Yes. Mm. Ethically, is it the right thing to well, do? I think if you have ethical problems with it, then it's not satisfying. The the ethical issue is, is someone public domain because something tragic happened to yeah. them to the point where you can create a fictionalized version of them mm. and then play out a dramatic scene in your movie with them? Yeah. Is that okay? And I don't know the answer to that. I think mm. art can be anything. And yeah. so it's, yeah. you know, does something... So only, only someone who died tragically. Well, that's the thing. So it's it, okay to have Steve McQueen or Roman Polanski or or anyone else, but we can't have Jay Seberg. Steve we can't McQueen have... was already a public figure and, sure. and, and lived his life knowing he was a public figure. Yeah. It would make sense for Steve McQueen to be in Mad Magazine, being made fun of. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. all part of what it is. Yeah. Someone who... Um, like admittedly, she was also an actor, yeah, but was, someone who, but yeah. but that's not why you why she's here. No, no, no she's no. she's in this because a horrific murder happened yeah. to her. Yeah. Something incredibly tragic happened to her. Is it okay then to take that, not just recreate it yeah. and dramatically show it, yeah. but make her now a fictional character, mm. take it in a completely different direction, and make a revenge film yeah. about it? Is that ethically okay? Again, I don't have an answer to it. It's on the fence. It's on the fence for me. Is that right? I would. Ha- yes, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I had no. I had no. I, I didn't walk out of there thinking about that in, at all. So. Okay, and that's. So I guess I'm okay with it if it didn't sure. pop into my my mind as something. Yeah, oh. it's not a question that necessarily has to be answered. It's just like one that I, I think th- think is worth asking. I think I was so relieved that I didn't have to see her getting murdered that I was perfectly okay with whatever. Okay, what? How about let me throw <laughs> let me throw this out at you. Okay, even Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Instead of someone who's basically Anne Frank, mm. it was Anne Frank. Okay. 
you actually have Anne Frank yeah. escapes, yeah. comes back, still writing in her diary, <laughs> okay. keeping keeping a war journal, yeah, yeah. and then Anne Frank, exactly Anne Frank, yeah. kills Hitler. Yeah. Is that okay? Or is it better to have the fictional version uh, of her and just made-up character uh, do it and kill all the Nazis? Well, I think in the case of Anne Frank, where you have not just Anne Frank died, you had millions of Anne Franks die. Sure. You can, you can have a, a composite Anne Frank in a movie. But I think in this case, where you only had one Sharon Tate get killed. Well, the Mansons did kill other people. I, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. We're talking about Sharon. There's only one, one Sharon Tate was killed. There's only one, you know, like one actress with a baby inside her was murdered brutally with her friends okay. that night. Um, I think it would be weird if you then made it into like a stand-in for her. You know, and then you didn't acknowledge that it, there was a real person that okay. it actually happened to. I think then that, that way would be strange too. So it is kind of a, and you know, I think you're right. I, you know, I think you can go either way. I, it didn't bother me, obviously. Like I say, I didn't walk out of there thinking sure. about that. This is, this is a question I'd throw out to, I was our, more, to our listeners and see what they think. I was more thinking, actually, the thing I was thinking about during that sequence in the film where we have Brad Pitt high, making, getting food ready for his dog, which is funny, mm-hmm. and it's counter cut between the murderers walking up the driveway with knives clearly ready to murder Sharon Tate right that I had more issue with I was like gee is it okay to make this into a funny sequence where you're having the funny Cliff and his dog stuff happening with murderers going to murder a, yeah. a woman and her friends is and that's where I that's in the movie where I kind of was like, hmm, I don't like this. I saw, I saw. And an then, issue. yeah, go ahead. But then it paid off in a way that took all those feelings, it, you know, in such a yeah. way that it, it, that's part of why I was so, was so relieved when right. we get to the ending of the film. It, it, like I saw Tarantino interviewed and, and, and not just about this, but other movies that he's done yeah. and how he likes to go as he goes, I want you to laugh. I want you to laugh. Yeah. I want you to laugh. Okay. Now you stop laughing. <laughs> and he likes doing that sharp. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't yeah. have been laughing at this. Mm, interesting. And in Death Proof, uh, you like the stuntman. Yeah. You like him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's charming. It's a movie that makes you dislike the girls. Yeah. And you like Stuntman Mike. And then when he kills them, you feel like a piece of shit. Exactly. And it's really well done. That's, yeah. I think that's smart filmmaking. I don't think that's an accident. I think he intentionally did that to us. But I think that's a good... That's a good thing because, you know, movies like that where, you know, he's, it's not just a comment on, on us as the audience. Well, it is a comment on us as the audience, but not just in the terms of that movie, but in terms of how we enjoy films. Like, how do, how do you enjoy slasher fi- flicks? You enjoy slasher flicks where young people have sex and they get killed by some giant thing. Sure. And that's the point of those movies is to watch people get killed. Mostly young women get killed and mostly sexualized women. So in a way, those movies are like the sort of puritanical violence yeah. On women. They're a morality play. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so that's why I've never liked those films. I've never watched, really seen the Friday the 13th movies and stuff because to me, they were these sort of puritanical, like you say, morality plays. And so that seems to me an odd thing to watch. So I've just never watched them. Whereas what's great about Death Proof is it turns that on its head. First, it sets up the idea that you're going to see that. And you're kind of looking forward to it because you don't like these girls. You see them in the bar. You see them interacting with the kind of yeah. hippie chick, who they call the hippie chick, Rose McGowan's character. And they're 
they're dicks to her, and so you don't like them. They seem they seem arrogant, and they seem obnoxious, and they're young, and so and I'm old, and I'm not a and they're not going to go out with me, and all those kind of feelings that you have. And so you're like, oh, they're going to go to this cabin, and then they're going to get knocked off one by one. This is going to be great. But the movie takes it away from you entirely. It turned to so and like, then traditionally one of them will survive, and yeah, one of them will uh, that's get right. revenge. And instead, the movie has them and might kill the hippie chick, the person you felt sorry for, Rose McGowan's character, as I said, brutally murdered in his car. Such a horrible sequence. Yeah. And then, to, t- to top that, then you see him kill these girls as they're driving. And once again, in a horrible, horrible way that just leaves you just like floored, and you just can barely understand what you've just seen, and that you were somehow complicit in this, and that you were kind of on this character's side. You know, it just... So the movie, then the movie gives you this redemption for yourself as the spectator by taking you on the journey with the next group of girls who are set up to be the, the victims yeah. of this guy. But instead they turn the tables on him. It makes what you were complicit in, suddenly you are now so with them through this whole sequence. You are so on their side that when the movie pays off, you are just, you are feel like jumping yeah. out of your seat and, and giving them a high five as well. Yeah, that's, this, that's movie making. And, you know, like when you get to the end of this movie... You know, all, all the things that you've been feeling, all the dread that you've been feeling, all the, you know, just the fact that you've been thinking the whole time, you're like, yeah, this is great. Sharon Tate was great. This is fantastic. It's so nice what's happening to her. Oh my God, we're seeing her, you know, slowly being pregnant, getting more and yeah. more enceinte, as her friends say. And then she's going to get killed. And all I, can, all I can hope for is that we don't have to see this beautiful woman get murdered on screen. That would be so terrible. I just don't want to see this anymore. And then the movie just gives you this whole other thing. And it's yeah. just like, ah, oh, you're laughing and you shouldn't because it's gruesome. But at the same time, you know, like it, suddenly you understand. I was watching, I'm like, I understand Jalos. I understand them. Oh, it took this many years. I get it now. Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Like, like I say, he's a, a director that may not give you what you want every time. I wasn't like the biggest fan of The Hateful Eight, to be honest. No, it but was more like a play. It was more like a play and, you know, it had some good dialogue sequences and stuff like that, but... It just it was an experiment. It was fine to experiment. Yeah, yeah. But as you say, this is like very. I mean, I, it's weird because I would not, even though it's a revenge movie, it's not a traditional old timey revenge yeah, movie. Yeah, which is, yeah. you killed my daughter. Now I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You yeah. need the justification for the violence. Mm-hmm. How are we going to justify incredible brutal violence? Yeah, yeah. How about he brutally killed four people and we feel guilty about it in 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 Death Proof? Yes, that yeah, would work. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? How about slavery? This is, you know, slavery. It's revenge for slavery. Well, you can do whatever the fuck you want then. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Not just slavery, but a situation where slaves are made to fight. And it's sure, like a brutal, sure, sure. the most kind of worst slavery. You've got history you on your like, side. It's not even You've like, got, yeah, this, we were already, we're soaked in the culture yeah. of yes, whatever. But even yeah. if it wasn't that, even if it was just yeah, slave it's already, owners. It's already terrible, but it, just, yeah. it, it kind of ups the you terribleness. Goose, you goose to, it up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you can do whatever you want, which now justifies that mm-hmm. horrible violence. Mm-hmm. What else you got? Well, Hitler. All right. Well, it seems ridiculous, but of course, Hitler. Yes, <laughs> sure. Nazis. Fine. All right. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to Nazis. Uh-huh. Uh, video games have shown us that. Yeah. Okay. Well, here. How are you going to do that again? All right. Here's I was what- going to say one thing about Inquirer's Bastards. So, in that sequence, Hitler's killed, but at but there's characters in the movie that sacrifice themselves to do it, like the soldier, the sure. Eli Roth character. It's it's a it's a it's a uh, come and it's a kamikaze mission for him, right? It's a suicide mission. Yeah. He's not going to get out of this theater. It's burning. Sure. He has. He's going to have no escape. He's just going to burn to death. But he's going to get Hitler. So that's sure. that's you know. So there there is that you know like there is that element of him sacrificing himself for this goal that's a pleasing goal for the audience, but also 
it pays off for that character in a way that's that you know yeah. makes it more it's resonate not a million more. miles away from whatever the something fists of whatever he also burns yeah. a bunch of nazis yeah 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 so we got a little there yeah. so okay now here we got a movie coming up and what he's got to do is he's got to do the magic trick of go look i gotta misdirect you over here and i gotta make you think mm-hmm. something else is happening mm-hmm. so the trailer sets it up that brad pitt of course i didn't see the trailer okay well let me tell you about the trailer <laughs> sure. the trailer sets it up yeah. that brad pitt meets a hippie uh the hippie girl and then mm-hmm. he's going to meet charles manson charles manson's going to really like brad pitt so you've got a guy and his stuntman this this guy's trying to make a comeback and the stuntman's going to be corrupted by manson uh, okay and that's going to be your conflict and then we're setting up sharon tate's here yeah oh he's going to be part of the sharon tate murders or some such and maybe, maybe yeah, yeah. you have to make an ethical choice and then when you see the movie nope not at all <laughs> just like do you want to join the manson family fuck no okay uh well you should leave then no i'm gonna check on my friend oh well, it's really dangerous for you to do that i don't care i'm yeah. gonna check on my friend yeah and yeah no gone he did a complete fake out in the trailer of what yeah. the movie okay. was going okay. to be to misdirect so you in, in no smart. way thought he was going to pull the same stunt for the fourth time <laughs> and like give you you know who else how else can we have like a brutal uh, violent scene at the end well uh, have you heard of Charles Manson? Okay, well, I guess <laughs> if it's like the Manson family, you can do whatever you want because we hate what they did to Sharon Tate, yeah. but we don't want to see the Sharon Tate thing. Yeah. How about this? How about we don't do it to Sharon Tate? They go to the wrong house. Mm-hmm. Man, did we go to the wrong house and they get brutally killed. Love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Now we're all satisfied and happy. It's a trick, but it's a good trick. It's a good trick. You it's know? a very satisfying trick. It's I'm not going to... It's, not gonna it's, a, it's a clever, satisfying trick. Yeah. I just found, for me, just in general, the ki- like I really did enjoy you know, elements of it, uh, but I found I didn't care about the characters. Hmm. Like It's definitely a magic trick at the end, but there's a lot of setup to get to it, and it's a very pretty trick, yeah. and there's a lot of nice, interesting visuals, mm. um, but I didn't find it particularly satisfying, but I did like the trick at the end. I liked oh. that. That was like... Oh, I liked it good. a lot. In fact, I'm going to go see it again in the theaters, which I very rarely go see movies. Right. Because you make a heck of a mess, and they do not like you back. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Well, what, well, what did, do you want to ask the, the nice listeners out there what they thought? No. Okay, the heck with it. Wrap up the show then. <laughs> Just kidding, everyone. You know me. I like to Quentin Tarantino the end of the show and, and get incredibly violent and punch you in. <laughs> and then uh, tell you how to contact us. You know, we have a website. It's called sneakydragon.com. You can go there and you can find the Fansplainers episode that you're listening to right now and you can leave a welcome message underneath the episode. We'd love to hear from you. We also are available on email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You may contact us that way if, you, if you're an emailer. We're on Twitter. <laughs> if you're an emailer. I don't know if people do much email anymore. It seems like everyone text messages each oh, other. Oh, that is true in this day and age. Yeah. So we Soon it will be telepathy. <laughs> Soon it will be telepathy. We are also on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. Uh, on Twitter, and we have a Facebook page called Sneaky Dragon. One day we'll have a fan spanners page. Oh, one day. One of these centuries I might do that, that thing I've been putting off. Anyway, so I would love to hear what you thought about this film, everyone. This is, I think, a movie that Quentin Tarantino knew would be polarizing in some ways, and I think he's okay with that. I think he likes to be talked about. As someone once said, there's only one thing worse than not be, than being talked about, and that is watching... B-movie spaghetti westerns. They're not good. I tried. I love the spaghetti westerns by Sergio Leone. But some people are like watching them from the gutters and they're looking up at the stars (laughs) of those spaghetti westerns. I guess so. A face full of spaghetti. 
All right, everyone. We will see you soon. Thanks for listening. as lethal weapons. We get into a fight, I accidentally kill you, I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter.